What's up, everyone? We are through 11 weeks of the NFL season. We are here for week 11, what we saw. I am Eric Smith, the editor-in-chief at QB List, joined, as always, by Mike Miklius. We're going to recap the most important takeaways from this weekend from a fantasy football perspective. Um, you know, I saw for a while there at the bottom of the screen as one of the uh, headlines, it was like shocking upset, uh, Titans lose to Texans, and all that could go through my head was, uh, is any upset really shocking at this point in the season? I think we've seen every good team get beat by just about every poor team out there. So um, at this point, we can really just throw away these bad losses because every single team has one. And the Texans and the Titans showed us just another example of this. So um, another thing that we, I have noticed this week is the quarterback position is apparently flip-flopped. Um, the following quarterbacks were under 10 fantasy points this week. Matt Ryan. Dak Prescott, Justin Fields, uh, they were all actually under five points. Fields was injured. We'll get to that later. But still, under five points for those three. Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, and Ryan Tannehill were all under 10 points as well. A lot of first-round picks there. And then you look at some of this, uh, you know, this QB1s from this week are unexpected names like Cam Newton, Trevor Simeon, Taylor Heineke, Colt McCoy, Tyrod Taylor, Joe Flacco. Uh, That's not quite the pedigree we see in those quarterbacks under 10 fantasy points. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Um, What in the world is going on here at quarterback? Like, are we supposed to readjust here and start, uh, you know, start Trevor Simeon every week? I mean, what is going on? How do we make any sense of this from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, It's unfortunately, I think, going to really bring to a head the whole weight on QBs thing. It's it's one of those things, you know, the the sharps have always proclaimed, and I think now just about everybody's on top of it, but. If Patrick Mahomes is giving you, you know, under 10 points in some weeks, it's just, okay, why am I bothering drafting him in the second or first or third round? Um, yeah, it's it was cool to see uh, Colt McCoy doing well. I remember watching him in college. I think there was a story of him, like, swimming across a lake to save somebody's life. Uh, yeah, it was like he's one of those, like, college folklore heroes. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a fun day. And it's, it, it's hard to explain, you know, when Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are struggling week to week. It's it's hard to say why that's happening. Yep. And, I mean, that's not even to mention, you know, Kyler Murray's been out for three weeks now. Really impressive that the Cardinals have made it through 2-1 and one against a couple of divisional teams with uh, Kyler Murray out. So, yeah, wild week at the quarterback position. I, I listed off a bunch of names last week that were under, like, 200 yards passing. Um, it, it just kept going this week. So, we'll get to some of these. Um, as always, please check out QBList.com and our what we saw article they're going to go through every single game our QB list staff covers each one individually uh, we're not going to touch on them all here but we will hit the highlights and I want to start with the winners and losers this week there were actually a lot of choices here for winners this week some pretty big fantasy performances Mike who was your winner from week 11 yeah to that point it, winner was like man everybody was so good how do I pick somebody and loser was kind of like well nobody was really that terrible like how do I how do I pick somebody uh, I went with Justin Jefferson. Kind of felt like an easy one, but you know we 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 saw some sophomores, uh, sophomore players really stepping up. And Justin Jefferson, ten targets, eight receptions, one hundred and sixty nine yards, two touchdowns. Uh, his team had a huge win, which is part of it. Big win over the Packers. It feels like the Vikings always play really well against the Packers. Um, he's fun to watch. He's clearly one of the best receivers in the league, and yeah, he's my winner for today. Yep, I watched that game from start to finish, and I mean, he was just consistently getting open downfield. It, it was impressive. This was not just dump downs. This was not easy stuff. This was Jefferson making stuff happen downfield. So, really impressive performance. Uh, my winner, it's an obvious one, but we couldn't pass up on Jonathan Taylor here. 
Uh, he just had an elite performance today, 32 carries, 184 yards, four touchdowns, three catches for 19 yards and a touchdown, which really might have been his most beautiful play of the day was that receiving touchdown he had. Uh, it, you know, there's not much to say here. Taylor's been on fire. The offense is centered around him. They got a bunch of big turnovers and short fields that really helped. Um, they beat up on the Bills, which was a bit surprising. But, I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point. I don't know how you feel, Mike, but uh, Jonathan Taylor, Dynasty RB1, Redraft RB1, would you uh, disagree with either of those takes? No, I don't disagree with either one. Here's my question, though. Do you think we're going to have a point soon, because this has happened before, where we're looking at Taylor and Naeem Hines gets a little too big of a workload one week and everybody kind of panics a little and says, Taylor got like 84 yards and no touchdowns, and Naeem Hines got like eight receptions for like 85 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's not happening right now. He has ripped off touchdown after touchdown this year. Um, they do have a relatively tough schedule in bits and pieces the rest of the year. Tampa Bay, Houston's great, uh, but then a bye week, then they get New England, Arizona. There's some tough matchups there, but uh, he's over 20 points in each of the last four, uh, just about every week down the, since about week four, he's been over 20 points. So I don't know. I think we're beyond that. I, I, I think we would have to see an extended struggle here from Taylor because he he looks he's always looked like he could do this, but he's really putting it together this year. Uh, Quentin Nelson had a bit of an ankle injury at the end. Uh, I think he re-aggravated his previous injury. We'll see how big of a deal that is. But as long as this line is mauling for him up front. Uh, he looks great. So I don't know. I, it's going to be hard to poke any holes in Taylor for quite a while here, I would say. Um, yeah, to, so, go ahead. to your point, uh, he's it looks like he's averaging around 125 rushing yards a game over the last six. And he's yeah. averaging he's averaging two touchdowns a game over those last six games. Granted, he had five today. But still, his last five games, one touchdown, two, one, one, two. Like, that's, that's crazy. You're right. I, I wasn't aware of just how well he was doing. I knew he was playing well, but yeah. He's, yeah. he's in that elite range. Yep. Today was one of those Jamal Charles, you know, Alvin Kamara type games that can win a game for you. So um, awesome stuff there. Uh, Mike, who was your loser this week? This was probably one I would have picked if you hadn't. <laughs> this one, like, so Justin Jefferson got some winner points because the Vikings pulled the win off. Well, this guy, Ryan Tannehill, gets some loser points for the, the Titans pulling off the loss to Houston. Yeah. I feel like no matter what's happening with your team, if you have a winning record or you have 500 record, you have no excuse to lose to Houston. Um, Tannehill threw four picks, two fumbles, lost to the Texans. <laughs> lost to the Texans, like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know the Texans don't have the worst record in the league, but they just kind of still feel like the worst team because everything just go, is going so wrong for them. They have no quarterback. They have no receivers. They have no running backs. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins. We all remember that. Um, yeah. So Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. It's, um, I, I feel a little bad for him just because it's pretty rough when you're without Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. He got hurt during this game. It is tough. Even Marcus Johnson got hurt, one of the receivers. But uh, losing to the Texans when they're rushing 18 times for 40 yards with Rex Burkhead and 13 times for 18 yards with David Johnson. Like, it's it's pretty brutal. This this Texans team was not moving the ball much. And uh, they, they Texans win 22 to 13. So it wasn't like Tannehill had to put up 40 points here. So, yeah, pretty brutal game. I, I This offense is rough. These injuries are getting a bit insurmountable. But uh, if this is what it's going to look like going forward, we're in tough shape. Hurry back, A.J. Brown. Um, my loser for the day, again, kind of like what you said, this isn't like a massive loser here. But I, I picked Jeff Wilson Jr. running back for the 49ers. Um, he had 19 carries for just 50 yards against the Jaguars. So he was the, the lead back here filling in for injured Elijah Mitchell. But 
I just haven't thought he's looked very good since coming off of injured reserve. Um, the past two weeks combined, 29 carries for 78 yards, just one reception. Like, that's not going to get it from a fantasy perspective. No touchdowns. And, you know, he's going to have to compete with Elijah Mitchell going forward. And the 49ers essentially used Debo Samuel as a running back today. And he obviously looked way better than Jeff Wilson Jr. did on the ground. So I know a lot of people have been stashing Wilson. I know a lot of people wanted to get him in their lineups this week. I was always a bit hesitant. I just don't think he's that talented of a running back. Um, You know, he's kind of a special teams type player. And so it's just kind of, you know, after all this stashing, was it really worth it here with Jeff Wilson? So I do think there are better days ahead, I I guess, but I, I don't think he's a feature back and, I would be shocked to see too many big games out of them. Um, feel similar about this 49ers backfield? Yeah, I was uh, I was a Trey Sermon homer big time coming into this <laughs> season. And I can tell you how much they don't like Trey Sermon right now. He doesn't get to sniff the field. But Jeff Wilson is their lead dog. Meant Trey Sermon saw 10 carries. And if we know what they feel about Trey Sermon and Jeff Wilson's performance made them say, yeah, let's give that Sermon guy 10 carries and let's convert our top receiver into a running back because we need it. Yeah, that's that's a very bad sign for Wilson. Um, this, as you said, this was his moment, and he fell flat. And it, yeah, it, it should be pretty damning that this did not go well at all. Yeah, and the Jags do have a kind of sneaky, decent run defense. And Wilson, you know, he's had big games in the past, but I don't know, just coming off of a pretty big knee injury, he's just not the type of player that I think can just overcome it. And we've kind of seen that through two weeks. So I would expect Mitchell to be back soon. It's his backfield and. Uh, a lot of Samuel stuff was kind of uh, late in the game, I think. So this is definitely still a Mitchell-Debo-Samuel backfield, which is kind of weird to say. So, um, all right, those are our winners and losers for the week. Let's get into some injuries. Um, as I already mentioned, A.J. Brown uh, left early in the game with a hand injury, um, returned, and then suffered a chest injury in the third quarter. Um, he played about half of the full-game offensive snaps, so he definitely saw a reduced workload. And then, like I mentioned, Marcus Johnson, uh, he had a promising game last week. He left with a hamstring injury early on an end zone target. He also missed their first four games with a hamstring injury, so that could be bad for Marcus Johnson. So they were rolling out Des Fitzpatrick, Chester Rogers, and uh, Nick westbrook Kine at wide receiver. So not great here for the Titans. We kind of already talked about their struggles, but – uh, they really need A.J. Brown back because this this team is a bit of a mess. None of these running backs are especially stepping up. So um, let's get to the Cowboys receivers. A lot of injuries here. Uh, C.D. Lamb suffered a concussion in the second quarter, missed the rest of the game. Amari Cooper was already on the COVID list, and he's going to already miss the Thanksgiving game. And you'd have to assume C.D. Lamb, if he's in concussion protocol, he's in jeopardy of missing that Thanksgiving game. So a uh, really depleted receiving core all of a sudden for the Cowboys. I mean, even, you know, Dalton Schultz got hurt a few weeks back, so it's thinning out here. Uh, does, is this starting to get, like, you're starting to worry about this Cowboys offense, or are you pretty excited now to get uh, Michael Gallup in your lineup? Yeah, I think it's going to be good for Gallup. I think it's going to be bad, though, for the Cowboys and for the fans. I, I think this Thanksgiving set of games is, is shaping up to be an ugly one because um, yeah. the Cowboys are likely going to be without Cooper and Lamb. And then you're going to have the Bears without fields. And it's going to be a lot of like, man, do I really want to waste my time watching all this? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Gallup is full steam ahead. I don't think he's just going to, you know, get like 15 targets. So if, if anybody's expecting that, I would I would tamper things a little bit. And I, I think we could see Lamb. Um, I, I think we I think, as you said, I think Cooper is for sure out. But we could see Lamb. And either way, Gallup's not exactly the talent Lamb or Cooper is where he's going to yeah. just go run wild and put up 200 yards. 
Yeah, and today he saw 10 targets, just 5 for 44. I, I do think maybe if they have a chance to plan for him as their number one, maybe you see a little better numbers. But, I mean, they still got eight targets to Dalton Schultz, seven to Cedric Wilson, six to Zeke, you know. So they are going to spread it around here. So I would agree he's not a, a smash wide receiver one, but um, it is a nice uptick in volume for Gallup, and I, I would expect better days. So we'll, we'll get to that game a little bit later. Um, for the Jets, Michael Carter, the rookie running back, left in the third quarter with an ankle injury. That's about all we know right now. Keep an eye on it, though. Uh, Tevin Coleman got 20 snaps for the game, was the primary rusher after Carter left. Ty Jan- Johnson, uh, 20 snaps, played primarily passing downs, uh, passing game work. So uh, that would be a big injury. We just don't know much yet about that backfield, but keep an eye on it. Uh, Justin Fields, rib injury, left the game in the third quarter. Uh, again, a, a quick turnaround for Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> it might be Andy Dalton versus Tim Boyle here. Um, we'll get to that game later as well when Mike talks about the Bears-Ravens game. Um, least surprising news of the week, Rashad Penny left the game after the first play with a hamstring injury, came back for a few snaps, but only played eight overall. Uh, Chris Carson's out for the year. Uh, Alex Collins saw 18 snaps. DJ Dallas, 18. Uh, Travis Homer, five. Penny saw eight, like I mentioned. Um, are you interested in anyone in this Seattle backfield, or is it kind of past the point of no return here? Yeah, not really. Um we the whole thing was always Seattle's offense was good and they were going to score points and they love to run. Yeah. And now they're just not really running well and they're not really scoring well and they're just not performing well. So whoever you're getting here, even if you could give all this to one guy today, it was 86 yards. It's just, yeah, there's, there's a very low ceiling here. Yeah, I do agree. I kind of wish it was DJ Dallas. I mean, he's the youngest and kind of best all-around player, I would say, of this group. But we know they're going to keep Alex Collins involved. We know Travis Homer will see the field some. So I do agree with you. I think DJ Dallas could be worth a pickup in some deeper leagues, though. He can catch the ball. Um, he, can, he can take a little volume here. But, yeah, Russell Wilson did not look good today, and that's two straight weeks. So that's, that's the big concern here with uh, this backfield for sure. Uh, for Jacksonville, Jamal Agnew left with the hip injury in the fourth quarter. Um, it's notable because he was already playing less in the game today, and LaVisca Chenault had moved back from outside receiver to the slot, and it's all a little bit of uptick in work. So uh, maybe LaVisca Chenault can get back on the radar in some leagues. And then a couple of non-fantasy uh, football injuries here, but uh, Darius Slay suffered a concussion. He had a 51-yard interception for a touchdown, so that would be a big loss. And uh, Quentin Nelson, the Colts offensive lineman, uh, suffered an ankle injury, like I mentioned. Um, they don't think it's serious, but it's a re-aggravation of his pre-existing injury. So uh, that would be big for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, keep an eye on that. I think that's kind of why some of us were down on Taylor preseason was because Nelson was already hurt. Carson Wentz was already hurt. Uh, we were worried about this offense, but it has not affected Taylor. But uh, who knows? Down the line, maybe it slows him down a bit. So uh, those are the injuries from the week. Um, let's get into a couple backfields that saw their starters return. Um, so we'll start out with the Eagles here and Miles Sanders returned from the IR. Um, he saw 36 snaps, just one target, but had 16 carries for 94 yards. He did lose a bad fumble in his own, uh, side of the field that set up a short field. So, um, that was a negative for Sanders, but he did look good. Uh, Jordan Howard looked good, but injured his knee in the third quarter. Um, he was out carrying Sanders in the first snap. So we'll see how he looks, but, um, you know, Boston Scott and Sanders split work after that. Kenneth Gainwell was a healthy scratch. Um, we're obviously rostering Miles Sanders in our leagues. Uh, how many of these other Eagles running backs are you interested in rostering right now? I think you've given the full list. Uh, Jordan Howard, if he's healthy, Miles Sanders. Outside of those two, as long as both of those guys are running, I just don't see anything else here. There's not enough room to get more carries because Howard is kind of just built to eat up carries when he needs to. 
That's all he's really good for. He doesn't really catch the ball. He just goes in there. He runs really hard, and he's he's pretty good at it. And then Sanders is, you know, your explosion. And outside of those two, yeah, like, I mean, they were fortunate to have 50 carries today, which really helps yeah. carry a lot of guys in terms of workload. But normally, I mean, they're not going to hit 40 carries. They're probably not going to hit 35. It's just, yeah, this yeah. was this was a huge day in terms of attempts, and it made everything look pretty rosy. Yeah, and I, I think Jalen Hurts would have been my winner if not for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he had 18 carries for 69 yards and three touchdowns against a really good Saints defense. Uh, really, the whole running game looked impressive. So, yeah, we'll see. Howard, you're right on Howard. He played 13 snaps and had 10 carries. So when he's out there, he runs the ball. Um, so that is a pretty big injury. Would be big for Sanders. I think Scott is relatively, you know, rosterable. Um, but I just don't think the upside is there. A little bit like Jeff Wilson Jr. I just don't think he's that talented. And if he's not going to be soaking up a bunch of catches, I, I think that's Boston Scott's main appeal. And they're not really thrown to the running backs much anymore in Philadelphia. And they've got a they've got a script going here that's working. I mean, they're up to five and six now. So I don't think they're going to change this anytime soon. So um, yeah, they, they do have they do have an upcoming schedule of the Giants, the Jets, and a bye week. So it, that's not a bad spot there for these running backs. Yeah, the big, the big takeaway for me, I would say, thinking about it a little more, is Kenneth Gainwell has just plummeted to zero. If you if you still had any hope for him, like being a healthy scratch, it, it's that's that's a death blow. Like, there's just so many guys in front of him. There's Sanders, Scott, and Howard clearly in front of him, plus a running quarterback. So there's really four yeah. running options ahead of Gainwell on this team right now. Yeah, and he was primarily used as a pass catcher, and that was early season when they were passing more. So that role seems to have dried up a bit. So even if Howard is out, yeah, I think I agree on Gainwell there. Um, okay, let's get to the Chiefs' backfield. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire returned from injury this week, and they actually kind of made it sound like they weren't sure how much he was going to play. Uh, they might just kind of really ease him back in this week, but that's not how it went. Uh, Daryl Williams saw 36 snaps. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire saw 32, so it was a pretty even split. Um, and Olaire looked the best for sure. 12 carries, two targets, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Williams, you know, had a few more targets or one more target, but only 26 total yards. And uh, even Jarek McKinnon was injured early on special teams, who's played some third down snaps. So looks like it's really CEH and Daryl Williams. I would expect CEH takes over this backfield probably as early as next week. I do think Daryl Williams will play, but. Uh, do you think we're rostering Daryl Williams at this point for anything more than a handcuff, uh, or is this the end of his like startable range uh, days here? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I agree. Ceh is going to take the, the the main part of the workload. I, I I think he's clearly not the weapon we all hoped he was going to be when he came in. There were those super high hopes. He was a first rounder as a rookie, um, and obviously a lot of that was the baked in situation. But I, I think we know he's not quite that. But if the Chiefs are smart, I think what they'll do is use him as a – they'll use him catching passes as an extension of the run game. They'll have him run out a little bit, sit around, wait as an option for Mahomes, and just give him a chance to, you know, make those easy throws to open up bigger things for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey further down the field. Yeah, I agree. CEH is not the dynamic player we hoped for. They have been using the running backs a lot more lately, though, because they have to because teams are taking away the deep balls. So this is a good spot for CEH in general. Um, like to see more than two targets for sure. So I do think there's some good weeks ahead. I mean, they play Broncos, Raiders, Chargers coming up, and those are division games they need to win. So uh, if CEH they think is their best back, I expect them to get the work here. So um, I, I think Williams is pretty much just a handcuff at this point. I might hold him for one more week, but uh, if you need the roster spot, I think you could probably move on here. So. 
Um, let's get to the third backfield, and this one's going to kind of blend into your game as well, Mike, but uh, we'll talk about that one later. But uh, this is the Ravens' backfield as Latavius Murray returned from injury. Uh, this big caveat here is that there was no Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, so not sure if this offense is going to operate this way uh, going forward. But Devontae Freeman still led the way with 47 snaps. Latavius Murray had 30 um, nobody else touched the ball uh, at running back other than those two. So it's, it's at least a two-headed monster, which is kind of nice. But um, what do you, you think of this backfield? Did you see anything worth noting in this game? Yeah, it's worth mentioning the quarterback situation. And, hey, this could just be like a one-week, okay, this is how we planned for this backup quarterback. Uh, but if you're taking these snaps seriously, Freeman looked like the guy. Yeah. I'm not going to say either one looked super talented. They both kind of looked like guys who – are, are solid running backs who kind of know how to play the position, but don't have a lot of juice left in the tank. Yeah. Um, but Freeman got the first crack. He got more pass catching work. He's the more interesting back. I'm still holding Murray because if anything happens to Freeman, Murray probably just takes the Freeman role and somebody else slides in behind Murray. Um, so he's, he's got that upside if anything happens to Freeman and with Jackson back, I think this, this offense will obviously look better, but yeah. Right. Yep. And I mean, it was nice to see Freeman catch six passes, but again, I'm not sure we're going to see that with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. He doesn't check down a ton. And, uh, you know, he also wasn't taking away rush, uh, rushing attempts in this game, although Tyler Huntley did run the ball a decent amount as well. So um, they do have a tough schedule coming up as well. Uh, Browns, Steelers, Browns are the next three games. So uh, those are a couple tough defenses they'll be playing. I do agree. I think it's worth rostering Murray, though, because uh, if you're running back desperate anyway, because they clearly don't want to play Tyson Williams and they released Le'Veon Bell. So it's really just the two right now. So um, I, he's worth the roster spot in some deeper leagues. Latavius Murray is. Um, but I would expect Devontae Freeman to be the starter for now. I think he's just got a little more in the passing game at this point in his career. So, um, all right, let's get into the rest of the games, um, the games that Mike and I watched uh, from start to end. Um, as always, uh, join us at pitcherlist.com slash plus to join our Discord server, uh, support the site, talk football all during the day. Um, just it, It's really start to finish on Sunday. It's just a lot of good times. So if you like what we do, feel free to join us, and uh, we'd love to have you. Um, I started out by watching the Packers and Vikings. Uh, Bengals had a late game today, so that was kind of nice. Um, Packers lose in Minnesota 31-34. to uh, This was kind of what we all hoped it would be. It was a high-scoring shootout. Uh, I, honestly, the Packers were probably the better offense in this one. They were better statistically, uh, but there were some kind of hidden negatives here. They had eight penalties for 92 yards that put the Packers offense in a bunch of just unfavorable positions, a lot of first and 20s. Uh, Mason Crosby missed a short field goal. And that was kind of the difference here. Uh, Packers lose by three in a shootout. Um, but overall, you know, this was the Packers offense we're pretty much used to. Uh, Rodgers looked a little bit like the uh, the emo Aaron Rodgers we've seen at times early on. Uh, he was frustrated on some missed opportunities. He was kind of doing that thing he does sometimes when he struggles where he's like backpedaling a lot and throwing off his back foot. But um, he's so good that he gets it to work. So it didn't really hold him back much. But early on, there wasn't a lot of like, structured offense going on um, but they did get in a roll uh, but the main reason I wanted to watch this game was to see AJ Dillon uh, with Aaron Jones out and it was a little underwhelming um, Dillon definitely had the workload here he played 44 snaps he had 11 carries uh, six targets and he honestly looked the most impressive as a receiver he made a tough leaping catch um, they used him a lot uh, so Dillon I think he passed a, a big test there in the passing game here he looked good in this one um, but the offensive line wasn't all that dominant. Uh, they really need David Bakhtiari back at left tackle. 
Uh, so his rushing game was, you know, 11 carries for 53 yards, nothing special here, no touchdowns. So this was a disappointing fantasy game. It reminds me a little bit of Jonathan Taylor early last year where, you know, he just kind of wasn't making the reads right, just wasn't finding open space to get up to speed. I would think that gets better with more reps for A.J. Dillon. Uh, some of it's the line. I'm sure some of it's him hitting the right holes. So uh, I think he just gets some more reps, and we will see that speed because he's a big guy, and he also has top-end speed. And we just didn't really see any of that today. So um, other than the pass-catching ability, just no, like, highlight-worthy plays out of Dillon. Uh, didn't make any big mistakes, though. But um, I hope there are better days ahead. Uh, Bakhtiari, I think, would be a big help getting the, the rushing game going. Because even when Aaron Jones was around, this offense hasn't been rushing the ball, I think, like they have in years past. So uh, you see a lot of this Packers offense, Mike. Um, is it like – I guess there's really nothing to take away from this because you're starting Dylan going forward, right? Yeah, I think what you said fills it pretty well. Um, Dylan has, shows some promise. He's obviously really strong. Um, I, like you said, I'm surprised at how good of a pass catcher he is. And not like I'm going to call him elite, you know, like in the right. in those top ranks, but he's he's solid. He's a plus. It's, it's a skill he has. Um, we've yeah. seen plenty of guys who can't do it, and Dylan can. And I, I think the team's going to feel comfortable throwing to him because imagine that a guy that big, that powerful in open space, and now all he's got to do is beat a corner or a one linebacker. That's a good fight for him. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely still starting him. And as you said. The pass catching really smoothed out the, the total this week because 11 carries for 53 yards. Like, that's that's solid, but we wanted 21 carries or, like, 31 carries or, like, 71 carries. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I think overall it's pretty positive, but it just didn't quite translate into that monster game we hoped for. But um, Patrick Taylor Jr. was the only other running back used. 14 snaps to Dylan's 44. He had four carries for just 11 yards. He definitely seems to be the, the handcuff here to Dylan at this point, but he didn't really flash anything, and we don't think Aaron Jones is out that long, so I don't think there's really any value here for Taylor. Uh, so one player that had a, a little boost in value this game, I think, was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, Alan Lazard missed the game due to an injury, and they targeted Valdez-Scantling deep quite a bit. Uh, he had 10 targets, four catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. It wasn't just one of those typical MVS games where – he catches one big ball and that's it. Like he was open deep quite a bit here. Uh, he's had a decent year this year. And with Lazard not practicing last week with a shoulder injury, he took advantage. So I think MVS has some deep league appeal. I mean, he's obviously going to be boom bust. And uh, Devontae Adams is still the clear number one who went seven catches, 115 yards and two touchdowns. But I did think Marquez Valdez Scantling looked pretty good. So I think in these shootout games, he's, he's a decent start here. Um, but other than that, I mean, without – uh, you know, anything going on in the tight end position here. Uh, I mean, J Josiah DeGuara did catch a touchdown, but he only had two targets on the game. So it's you really know what you're getting with this Packers offense. It's it's pretty straightforward most weeks. But keep an eye on MVS. Add him if you need some help in a deep league. Um, other than that, uh, I think that pretty much sums up the Packers. Um, Rodgers throws four touchdowns. He was one of the few quarterbacks that had a good game for us. So keep starting him. Um, Vikings side of the ball. It was a typical Kirk Cousins game. Uh, a lot of good plays, put up a lot of points. Also had some really bad sacks, like in field goal range. Um, you know, he had a, he had a pick on the final drive. It looked like it was the same Cousins all over again, losing to the Packers late. Uh, but it got overturned by a roughing call, and then he drove him down the field to his credit, and uh, they won the game. But um, you know, the, the offense was at its best when they were getting the ball downfield to Justin Jefferson, like M Mike mentioned up top. Uh, Just, Justin Jefferson dominated here. So when Cousins was taking shots downfield, he was generally at his best. Uh, the offense slowed down a little bit when they just tried to 
play close to the vest and throw it short. So I really hope they keep throwing the ball downfield. That opened up things for Thielen a little bit. Eight catches for 82 yards, scored a red zone touchdown. Pretty typical Thielen game we would hope for. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's probably not much else to add to this offense. Conklin's always going to be a distant you know, third or fourth option behind those receivers in the running game. Uh, you see anything here that, you know, kind of changes what you think about this Vikings passing offense? Yeah, not not too much. Um, I guess the thought that sticks out here is for anyone who plays Dynasty, it feels like the perfect time to sell Adam Thielen. If you're not contending and you've got him on your roster, this is a nice game. Someone's going to look at it and go, that's good targets. That's good yards. He got a touchdown like he always does. I could use that on my playoff team. Um, could be a, Could be a great last chance to try to get off that train. Again, if you if you have him and your team's doing well, I think he'll be useful. But he's getting older. Jefferson's stealing the touchdowns too. Like Diggs always kind of gave Thielen the touchdowns, mm-hmm. but now Jefferson's just being greedy and taking everything. Um, so it, it could be a good last chance to get out. But otherwise, this is the passing game we thought it was. So no no surprises here. Yeah, that's not a bad thought on Thielen. He's thirty one. I mean, we've seen some slot receivers that you know keep it going through their careers, the Julian Edelman types, but. Uh, we've also seen some of these slot receivers like like Randall Cobb or something fade pretty quick. So I, I think that's a good call. He's scored a lot of touchdowns, Thielen is, but that's really what he's living off of. He's just had one 100-yard game this season. So um, as far as the Vikings running game, I mean, it was, it was Dalvin Cook dominating as always. Uh, Packers did a good job against the run in this game. Uh, Dalvin only had 22 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown, uh, just a long of 13. So he was pretty consistent, but uh, not a lot of room here against this Packers defense, which I was surprised about. Uh, he did have three catches for 29 yards. He looked really good on a late pass they threw to him. I wish they would do this more for Dalvin Cook. I, I think it would help this offense as a whole. I know they put up 34 points. I shouldn't be complaining about the offense. But if you took out a few of those carries and dumped them off to Dalvin Cook in space, I, I just I think you'd be better off. But um, it worked today. They put up 34, and they won. Uh, nothing changed there with Dalvin Cook. So Otherwise, this was just a really fun game. It was good to see a couple quarterbacks slinging around and actually put up some points. So I was – Glad to watch this one after some games like Denver, Washington, and uh, trying to think of some of the other games I've watched recently, Pittsburgh, Detroit. There's been some bad ones. So I was happy to take this one on the one o'clock slot. So um, that wraps that one up. Let's get to Mike's game. Um, Mike watched the Ravens win 16 to 13 in Chicago. Um, This was a rough one, Mike. Um, What'd you think of this one? Yeah, rough one's a good way to put it. Uh, So Justin Fields just off the top to start this one off. Uh, He got hurt during the game. Didn't look too serious. He walked off on his own. They said it was a rib injury. Sounds like they're just going to kind of keep an eye on him. He got an x-ray, but I, I don't think it, anything came back serious. Um, that that would tell me that he's probably questionable for Thursday. I think there's a good chance they'll sit him out and just say, you know, we're not going to take a chance with our, our future star here. Um, he looked solid before that. He was a little off target. He missed some some opportunities he had. Um but he still looks like he's showing that development that we've seen from him. Uh, Tony Romo was calling this game. He had a lot of good things to say. There were a couple plays field threw the ball away. And he's like, oh, that was a great play. No one's going to see that in the box score. But, you know, he sees the rush coming and things like that. So if you're you're wondering how Fields looked, he, was, he looks like he's still developing. He looks like he's still getting better. But still some de- rough edges for sure. Um, starting off with the Ravens offense, Tyler Huntley actually played pretty well. I got to give him credit um, for this being his first start. Yeah, he he was solid. He started off a little rough. He took a lot of sacks today. Uh, he had a fumble through a pick that was pretty bad. Um, but once he got running later in the game, 
He started to use his legs as a weapon. He had a couple good scrambles. He was the best runner in the game today as far as the quarterbacks go. Um, and he he led a really great drive at the end of the game to win it. Um, they, they Bears scored with under two minutes to go in the game to take the lead. And I preemptively typed into the Discord, you know, the Bears get the win today. And I, I truly cursed him. And I watched as the Ravens ran it right back down their throats. And, yeah, it was it was pretty horrible. Uh, in the backfield, Devonta Freeman was the best option. Nothing was too inspiring here, but the Ravens were very committed to running. And they were committed to eating up the clock. They had the ball for over 20 minutes in the first half, which was just quite impressive. Um, the Bears had, like, four drives, and two of them were quick three and outs. And it was just like, wow, that's the half already. Um, and then as far as pass catchers go, Mark Andrews was the only one here that I saw that really looked special to me. Um, Sammy Watkins, Devin DuVernay, Rashad Bateman, they all kind of just looked like guys. Like, they all caught the ball well. They they did this or that, but there just wasn't too much to talk about. Andrews made a number of really nice catches, including an early one off his fingertips that he pulled down. So um, that's what I saw here. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of um... – People really high on Rashad Bateman. I mean, I'm relatively high on him. And I know this was a game without Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. But, you know, I mean, Sammy Watkins, four targets. Devin DuVernay, six targets. Bateman saw six. Um, and then Andrews, 10. Uh, he's, he's certainly not like, he, you know, there's a, a thought with Marquise Brown out that he was just going to ascend up and lead the way in targets. And that did not happen. I mean, even, you know, Devontae Freeman had six targets. So nothing here from... Duvernay or Bateman to, to separate themselves in this passing game. It's still, I would say, Marquise Brown and, and Andrews leading the way. I hope Bateman can get there, but it just it hasn't quite happened yet. And, uh, you know, it's going to take Lamar Jackson for that to happen for sure, but um, he hasn't exactly broken out with Lamar either. So I, I still think he's more of a wide receiver three type most weeks. So, um, yeah, I think we talked about that backfield enough. Um, as far as the Bears go, I mean, it's pretty – it's pretty easy here. You, you look at the targets for this game and it jumps off the page. Uh, Arnell Mooney had 16 targets. So what do you think about this passing game? I, I know it was, you know, different quarterbacks here, but what do you think about Mooney? Yeah, it, it's worth saying as a final note for the Ravens passing game, they they looked like they were running a pretty conservative scheme. So I wouldn't say this is a definitive view because, you know, it's my, my big uh, week to see Baltimore. But yeah, given what I saw, um, Mooney had a really good day. He did make most of his day on one big play, and I'll get to that in a second. But there were a lot of plays where he got open, and the announcers were kind of pointing out, oh, here's where he was, here's where the ball should have gotten, and the ball just didn't get where it quite had to be to, to help him make the catch. Um, it looks like some of it we could blame Mooney on, that he once he got open and he didn't get the ball yet, he kind of didn't know always what to do. And then some of it would be on the quarterbacks, just kind of missing throws a little bit. Um, his best play, he had a, a, caught a screen play, a pass, and he broke the initial tackle, had some good blocking, broke another one where somebody had his leg wrapped up, and he just took it to the house. Uh, it was one of the first plays after Andy Dalton came in for Fields, and the immediate response from everybody was, uh-oh, QB controversy, Feel, uh, Dalton's back. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mooney looks really good. He's really good at getting open. And I think he's going to be a steal next year. I'm hoping he doesn't put up too many of these big games the remainder of this year, because again, I think he could be a real value. If this team brings in a real coach, uh, him and fields could be a lot of fun next year. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, he had already taken over for Allen Robinson, essentially is the, the wide receiver one here. Allen Robinson was out today with an injury. Um, Marquise Goodwin, 
you know, second on the team in targets with eight, uh, four catches, 104 yards and a touchdown. But I mean, I, I think we know what Marquise Goodwin is, right? He's just a big play threat and he, he hit one in this game. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the way I would put it. Um, he hit a big one late. The Ravens defense somehow with the bears in desperation mode on a fourth and 11 late in the game decided to not cover Marquise Goodwin. He ran right past single coverage, turned around, waited for the ball to get there, waited, waited, caught it, turned back around and just ran away. Um, it was about the easiest catch you're ever going to see. Um, I, I, I've always liked Marquise Goodwin. I think he could be useful again. I think if he sticks with this team and they have a better offense that's able to go deep more, um, he could be a, a really nice compliment to Mooney. But yeah, he's always going to be a second banana, like a, a number two, number three option on the team. Yep. And in this backfield, uh, you know, anything to add here to David Montgomery? I mean, he's getting a lot of work. Not much of the passing game today, but um, I think we kind of know Montgomery at this point, right? Yeah, it's it's Montgomery all the way again. Khalil Herbert, we should just mention, he disappeared. He's an afterthought. He got one carry. He returned one kick that I saw, and that was it. Otherwise, it was just Montgomery all day. So if you have Montgomery, full steam ahead. Yep. All right. Anything else before we move on here? No, I think that covers it. We hope for a fast field recovery so we can watch him on Thanksgiving instead of uh, Andy Dalton. Yeah, for sure. We need that. Um, but hey, at least if there are going to be bad games Thanksgiving, you know, there's there's some food to distract us. But, uh, you know, I, I will say uh, you're on a different path with the young quarterback than the Bengals are. Um, you're frustrated with the offense, but I think your draft pick is well, no wait, You don't have draft picks, but your record is going to hurt the coach here and maybe get you a new fresh coaching staff um, with the Bengals, which is the game I watched. Uh, they're winning. Um, I still don't know how I feel about the offensive play calling here, though. So I, I think I'm going to be stuck with Zach Taylor for quite a while. Uh, the, the Bengals won 32 to 13 in Las Vegas against the Raiders. I will say it was not this big of a blowout that the score would show you. Uh, it was much closer for most of the game here. Um, and, you know, it. I guess I'll just start. I mean, I talk about the Bengals a lot, so I, I watch them every week. I don't want to get too far into them, so I'll go quick on the Bengals offense. But um, Joe Mixon looked really good on the ground. Uh, he slipped a few times on the grass. That it's I don't know if it was his cleats or if this field's bad in Las Vegas, but he had a couple big runs that could have been better, and he slipped and fell on them. Uh, but he still goes 30 carries for 123 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the discouraging thing is no targets. Uh, they were going to Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans in the passing game. But Mixon really ran the ball well. He looked good, and this passing game sputtered for the most part. So I think they're going to need to get the ball to Mixon going forward. So really good news for Mixon. Um, as far as the passing game, I mean, Burrow was not very good here. Uh, 20 of 29 for 148 yards and a touchdown, was sacked three times. Um, combination of him struggling and the offensive line struggling. I mean, there were some three-step drops where he just barely got the ball out in time. So I don't think their offensive line is very good still. But Burrow is kind of regressing a little bit as the season goes on. I, I think he's sensing the pressure, trying not to take too many hits and making some questionable decisions. But um, it worked out. They got the win, but really poor fantasy day here. But otherwise, in the receiving core, uh, they've made an effort to get Tyler Boyd the ball, which I've wanted to see for a while. He actually led the team eight targets, six catches, 49 yards. I just, you know, I don't think his ceiling's still very big, but it was good to see him get involved out of the slot a little more. Um, Jamar Chase, only three for 32 on six targets, but that was second on the team, and he scored a touchdown. So he's he's still the wide receiver one here. Um, biggest disappointment was T Higgins only three targets, two catches for 15 yards. He's just not getting a lot of separation this year from what I can tell. And he's a big bodied receiver, kind of contested catch guy. 
and it just hasn't really been working out. I haven't seen him open a ton, and it, it's he's had some disappointing games here. So um, I, he's talented. I don't expect this to be done, but uh, it's not like Burrow's missing him on open routes here. Like he's he's not getting a lot of separation, and Burrow's finding other places to go with the ball. So otherwise, I, I still don't love how this offense is designed. Um, not getting a lot of people open, not a lot of creative play calling. You know, they did a an end around to Jamar Chase on a third and one. They got stuffed, like just some frustrating stuff. But they put up a lot of points. It, it, they kind of piled it on late, though. They only had 13 points going into the fourth quarter. So don't look at this 32 points and think that the offense dominated. But, hey, they, they got the run game going late. So uh, that was nice. Um, any Any questions on the Bengals offense before I move on? Yeah, why do you think uh, – you said Burrow was struggling. They were struggling a little bit in the past game. Um, do you think that's why the numbers were so low in terms of the yardage, like 148 yards? Um, was it maybe just really conservative? Because, like, the yards per attempt just seems, like, crazy low to me today. Yeah. Um, I, you know, a lot of this rushing was done late, so it wasn't necessarily like they were running a lot early. Um, again, it's, I think it's the pass rush. Uh, it does not leave him much time to get the ball downfield right now. So it's all short stuff. And when they're not running the ball super well um, for the first part of the game, it's just the offense just kind of sputters out. There's just no downfield threat because he can't hold on to the ball long enough. And uh, they don't have a lot of like yard after catch guys. I mean, Chase can do it for sure, but he's drawing a lot of attention. Um, so I don't know. You just kind of get all these short passes and sacks and, you know, um, hits as he's getting rid of the ball. And um, it's just a little ugly. They got bailed out by some some penalties the Raiders had uh, that extended drives to. Um, but I don't know. It's just um, it, I don't think he trusts the line and there's just not a lot of players getting open for easy plays. So it's just it's tough. All of these completions. So I, there's not a great, um, you know, solution for it. I don't think other than maybe having a new play caller, but I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I don't know it, when when Jamar Chase isn't going up and making freak catches, it, the offense just tends to stall out a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Um as we said, it's uncharacteristic for Chase to have those low numbers, and that's where you'd hope Higgins would step up and, and fill the role, but unfortunately yep. didn't happen today. Yeah, and the Raiders' pass rush did look pretty good, so um, that was part of it. But um, and it was on the road. Hey, you'll take the win. They're 6-4, and 4-2 four. Um, four and two on the road, actually, which is surprising. But um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, let's get to the Raiders here because I don't get to see them every week, and I really got in, <laughs> an insight into the, the Derek Carr offense here, I would say. Uh, they just – they were not going downfield at all early on. Like every time they would go to Darren Waller, it'd be like a 20-yard play. And then they wouldn't go to him for like a whole quarter. It was bizarre. They finally started going to Waller late. He ends up with seven for 116 on eight targets. Like just super efficient. Waller was great. The Bengals couldn't cover him, but they just went away from him for large stretches. It was very bizarre. I mean, when they got down, the Raiders got down, I think, 10 in the fourth quarter. They were like, oh, okay, now we need to throw the ball downfield. And they scored a touchdown on three plays. Like they, they hit Waller twice and then they hit uh, Foster Moreau for a 19 yard touchdown. So, like, they just, other than that, though, it's just all running. Um, it's checkdowns to Josh Jacobs. It was just a very conservative offense. And I don't know why. I think they have the talent to go downfield more. But, I mean, they only had six points at the half. Uh, they tacked on a touchdown in the fourth, but they only scored 13. And, you know, the Bengals defense was solid, but it wasn't exactly like they were shutting this offense down. So um, otherwise, you know, 18 for 72 on the ground as a team, nothing exciting there. Jacobs only got nine for 37. He looked fine, but, you know, nothing special. And the offense just wasn't putting up points. So that's that's going to hold a running back like Jacobs back if they're not scoring touchdowns. So I don't know. I, I was really frustrated. Um, Hunter Renfro caught a couple balls late, which kind of padded his four for 30. Like he was almost non-existent. I 
I just don't know why, what their game plan was here. They need to get Waller the ball as much as possible until a team can stop them. So I think you saw this Raiders team pretty recently too, Mike. Probably sounds about what I what I saw here, right? Yeah, the, I, I see the Raiders box scores. Like this is a great example. And you look at them and you're like, like how did they end up with this? Like you have Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs, who's a talented runner. Okay, you only got him nine carries. That's That's pretty hard to explain. Then you look at your list of receivers and it's like, all right, this is a good Waller game, but we see some Waller games, as you said, where he just disappears and you're like, all right, he's too talented to not get looks like at least throw the ball. Just give him a chance to catch it. Yep. Um, this Raiders team, I, I've always found funny because when they started three and oh, all the announcers and all the talking heads seem to want to be like, see, the Raiders are just so good. Like this is we're going to see the talent really coming together. And then they were five and two and it was the same thing of like man, Derek Carr is so underrated and like people just don't realize how good he actually is. And yeah, as you said, we saw what Derek Carr is. He's just a guy. He's not a guy you're, you never want your team to pay. And if they do, it's going to be a really bad thing for your team. Yeah. He uh, threw a pretty bad pick when the game was still around, kind of misread. I think it was a cover two coverage um, through to Eli Apple and he had a fumble late. That that was kind of when the game was out of hand though, but yeah, just a disappointing day from this offense. And again, like you said, looking at the box score, it's like I, you, I'm trying to remember back because the first half they were moving the ball some, and it's like where did all those stats go? I don't even know how they were moving the ball because just the box score is empty other than Darren Waller, really. So just a disappointing performance. They need to open it up, get downfield shots. Until they do that, I think this is what this offense is going to look like. Their, their offensive line isn't so talented they can just run the ball 30 times, so. Um, yep, I don't know. They go to five and five. They're in rough shape now going forward, but they, I think they will have their weeks. Carr isn't without talent, but um, they need to get the ball downfield. It's just it's a pain to watch. So, um, otherwise, those are the main games that Mike and I focused on here. Uh, I did want to briefly touch on the Cowboys Chiefs game because it was so noteworthy. Uh, Chiefs win nineteen to nine at home. Um, we already talked about the the Cowboys injuries at receiver up top, and we already talked about the Chiefs backfield, but um, I wanted to mention the Cowboys offense in general. Um, offense line to me looked like it struggled with Tyron Smith out for the third straight game at left tackle. I think it's starting to catch up to them. Um, in those three games without him, they scored 16 points against the Broncos. They did score 43 points last week, but that was against the Falcons. And then they scored nine points this week against KC. Uh, so I do think that's an issue. It would be a big deal to get Tyron Smith back because that's kind of coincided with this downswing. And Dak was sacked five times on 43 attempts today. Just threw 216 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Just a disastrous game for Dak. So, um, you know, it's going to be tough when the receivers are all banged up and you're missing your best offensive lineman, but it's what they're dealing with right now. Like, do we need to downgrade this offense significantly or is this um, just keep starting them and hope for better days? Yeah, that's a good question. I think as long as the offensive line is still a problem, as long as Tyron Smith is out, we have to just – we have to think that that's, you know, a big cause in this – I was driving while this game was on and on uh, satellite radio, they were talking about it and they were saying, you know, Tyron Smith being out really, really is a bigger deal than people have, have maybe made it out to be. Um, and it was going to cause them problems. And they said the chiefs were, you know, giving deck huge, like a huge headache of just breaking through, getting him down five times. He didn't rush at all. He, he probably got a little skittish because, you know, there's always a rush in his face. And I'm sure we didn't even see all of it. There's probably, you know, hurries and another place where they're getting in his face, even if they didn't quite get to him. Um, yep. Yeah, I think I think this offense has to be considered a downgrade. 
and not even considering the receivers who are out, but just just with okay, the line is having trouble. It's going to hurt the run game, which is supposed to you know be the engine, yep. and it's going to hurt Dak's confidence. Yeah, in the running game, I mean, even you look at it, it's five point one yards a carry for the team, but they had a thirty-one yarder. Uh, you take that out, and it's you know fifteen carries for fifty-one yards. So um, Dak only throws for two sixteen on forty-three attempts. That's that's really low. Um, I will say Dalton Schultz is back on the map as a tight end one. Uh, he had eight targets, six catches, 53 yards. He'd struggled a little bit lately. He doesn't have the most upside in the world, but if all these receivers are going to be banged up, he's going to get a lot of looks. So uh, if Dalton Schultz got dropped or if you've been benching him, he's probably worth a start going forward. Uh, we talked about Gallup a lot up top. Um, and then, you know, the Chiefs, we talked about their running back situation as well. But just in general, where are you at on this Chiefs offense? I mean, Mahomes, 260 yards, no touchdowns, a pick sacked three times um is this just kind of the new world we're living with in the chiefs until they maybe get a chance to regroup and change this offense up a little bit yeah it's funny with how different the chiefs offense looks in terms of how successful it is i really only think the fortune of one player changed i don't think travis kelsey or tyree kill like really downgraded at all they both seem like they're still putting up the really big days and we never really trusted the running game here. Like in the last two years, I wouldn't say there was a point where everybody was super excited to be starting whoever was the running back. It's just Mahomes is kind of downgraded. Um, the assortment of third weapons is still just kind of whoever, Byron Pringle, Nicole Hardman. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Nicole Hardman at some point is going to have a 100-yard game and everyone's going to get all excited and say he's breaking out again. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is. I, nothing's really changed here. That is a fair point. We haven't seen as many – random Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Nicole Hardman breakout games this year. And that is hurting Mahomes for sure. So yeah, I mean, Hill, Tyreek Hill gets nine for 77 and then kind of a hidden carry for 33 yards. So he gets you over a hundred yards and Kelsey looked pretty good in this one. There were some worries about uh, maybe if age was catching up with him, but nine catches, 11 targets, 77 yards. You'll take that. Or I'm sorry, that was Tyreek Hill actually, but Kelsey gets five for 74 on eight targets. So you'll take that all day at tight end. So um, yeah, I, I think I agree. Not too much to worry about with the big players on this team. Mahomes, um, though, has been a little less elite than we would like, but he did just blow up last week, so we'll see. Um, check out our article, as always, on this one. It'll be much more in-depth than what we were able to do while we were watching other games. So, um, yeah, I think that wraps us up for this week. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Check out what we saw on QBList.com, and uh, check out our waiver Wire podcast coming out Monday night, Tuesday morning. So have a good week.